Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck, especially Panini for this one because I, I pulled four great guys uh, together for this particular episode talking about uh, specifically male friendships in the hobby that uh, men don't always uh, talk and they, they come together around uh, common interests and uh, shared struggles and uh, the, the bonds that we had on our team and these guys and others in particular. So I hope you'll resonate with that. And uh, thank you, sponsors, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. You, you can see somebody every day work beside them. That's not uncanny. They could be good friends. But also, I have guys that I saw once a month for many years on the show circuit in the 70s that I'm still good friends with. So, uh, great hobby uh, and uh, great people in it. So, I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation. I want to talk about building a spree de corps and the idea of friendship in the hobby. The aspect of how guys can get close. I do a lot of pro bono consulting with guys and some of its ministry stuff. The lament of the lonely male, whether you're the boss or in the trenches, is that guys don't talk to each other. And they're isolated and they're frustrated and they don't necessarily take it out on their family, but they just are not hitting on all cylinders. Show me a guy that has really good friends I'm going to show you a guy that's probably going to have his act together at home and at the office because he's got guys, maybe they're razzing him, but they want him to be the best he can be. And I know you guys had that, and I'm not taking any credit for it other than I think we tried to hire guys in our company that would be guys that you'd want to spend time with, that were sharp, integrity, and all that stuff. The fact that they weren't going to be on our team the rest of their lives and they were going to go across town to another good place and be there, that's okay. But um, it just seemed like some of that was friendship-based. Not that Ben and others weren't excellent, because you guys are all excellent, but there was an esprit de corps, and it's not just playing sports together or going on show trips. There has to be some team spirit. Like you say, the brand, I, I feel like it's something that happened and we all probably encouraged it to happen, but you can't make it happen. How did you see the close friendships, the shared struggle? Some are closer than others, but there was just something in the water. How is it that we've got such deep friendships in the hobby? Common interest has a lot to do with it. I think you do deserve credit for hiring the right type of people because we've all seen in other places that if your hiring practices aren't a high standard, you're going to get people that don't always get along, that are bad fits. And not just the guys here on the screen that I'm lucky enough to work with every day, but guys like Rudy Klanick and Pepper and Dave Slipka, guys I'm still friends with. So I think it starts with that common passion and having principles. And then I think you have to prove yourself with your work. If you're a dude, like guys want to see that you're not afraid to put in the, the hard work and the extra hours. And I think we've all proven that to each other. And we're, we're a little bit more simplistic than maybe a lot of our female comrades are. It's it's not fair. There's a certain male friendship aspect that's tricky. You throw a woman into the mix, that's totally okay, but it's a different chemistry there. And just having a no-jerk policy <laughs> was, <laughs> was, I think, what we did. You guys probably all went through. We would identify somebody we thought would work out. And then I think there was like interviews. And then you guys took the people out to dinner. You guys suffered through that and you were grilled. It was like a stress interview with the other members of the team. Is this somebody that's going to have my back? And I so remember mine when I started it back in 2000. I remember my, my first interview dinner where we all went out. I remember it was Grant and Rob. They asked me, 
50 questions that I was just going, man, I don't know how many of those I got. And it was just random questions about the hobby, just making sure. You know, I think they're just like Tracy mentioned, they're just trying to make sure that you're just not showing up with nothing, that you're going to fit in. And then what's great about it was as soon as you're accepted, you're part of the team and, and you just take off and go and you grow as much as you want. And I think that as far as the, the guys on the screen, we brought a lot of that from Beckett to it with us over here. And that's part of why it works here too. It's amazing because when you add in people that, that have worked here that have that are like Keith Hauer and Mike Payne and Scotty and Joe White, the plethora of guys that have been both places, you see it in all of them. It's an important part of it. And they're all friends that will be friends forever. And I'll want the best for it and we'll do whatever it takes to help. And I know that they're going to show up to work every day and do their very best to make the best products they can. But some of the, some of you guys were connected ahead of time. It seemed like most people said you went out and hired good people. And I said, no, I think they found us. People heard from something. Wasn't there an Oklahoma connection at some point that we had that one person would say, hey, this is a decent place. They'd bring their friend in and help them. They still had to be on their own two feet. But you know, they well, were for connected. me, it was answering an ad in Beckett. It was a little one-inch ad in the monthly. Beckett said, you want to try to work here? And I wrote my resume. Sent it in. I knew nobody at Beckett. I'd read their names for 20 years, but I didn't right. know anybody. I couldn't have picked out anybody in the lineup. I just okay. showed up. You're the exception well, in, in many ways, David. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. That's quite possible, yeah. How you talked us into hiring you. I mean, it was your excellence, but hiring you to not come to work. Yeah, to not have to stay here and do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a measure of your excellence. Yeah. I just, oh, go ahead. Some of that's some of that's the environment that we have in the office. And I remember being over at the Beckett building and growing up playing sports. It reminded me of being in a clubhouse with these guys. And, and I joke sometimes with my wife saying, I feel like I'm in seventh grade sometimes when I go to work because we're back to being kids and having fun and doing the stuff we did when we were kids. And we talk a little junk to each other. We take shots at everybody. But that's just part of being in a locker room. And that's growing up playing sports all my life. And that's what we did. You knew you might take a shot at somebody, but you knew if something happened, you always had their back and they always had yours. No matter what, a lot of it is just that clubhouse atmosphere. And I tell my wife stuff and she's like, I can't believe you say that to each other. I'm like, no, that's what we do. <laughs> we're, we have 40 seventh graders I work with. Yes. And some of us don't look like we're in seventh grade, but we sure like the Even uh, like the rooming situation, we brought that over from Beckett where we, when we still travel on the road. We still double up. We, we don't have to, but that's what we do. Other departments don't necessarily do it, but that's what we do just because that's, that's how we grew up knowing that's how you traveled on the road. You room with somebody and somebody different every once in a while, and you just got to know that person better. But yeah, like Tim said, whether it's a fraternity or a locker room, that culture was developed over there and we just transplanted it over here. And it still extends, right? At every national, I never worked with Mike Hirsch, but I would hang out with those guys through Al Muir and other guys. And it killed me when he passed or seeing Grant's mom just passed away and still reach out and talk to Grant just because... That was the guy that, that I immediately worked under and, and you just developed bonds or we just developed bonds with so many of those people, no matter where they went after Beckett. Uh, but, but yeah, that culture definitely came from that building. When I was hired, I think we had 26 people in technical services. That, that was a big department for, for putting together price guides. But that's where all that stuff was cultivated and learned. Remember, we used to go outside and play basketball constantly. Yeah. yeah. So basically you're saying there were a bunch of seventh graders that had been held back. That's correct. Still are. Still yes. are. You had a bunch of people that couldn't pass. <laughs> Don't let the gray hair fool That's correct. <laughs> One of the things that, that I, I can see is anytime you're in a sports environment, there's a spree de corps right from that because they had a shared love of sports. But the way you guys and, and we were doing of the expression of the sports, you couldn't keep score. What you guys were doing at, at Beckett Publications, what you're doing now at Panini, 
a job well done is not shown up on a scoreboard as much as the other guys that are in the trenches know that we hit it out of the park. We did great. And that's what I felt when we were, when you guys were on our team is that it wasn't about how many copies were sold or how we did it. Just, we did our best. We got it out. We're on time. It was a quality product and let the chips fall where they may. But like I said, the only guys that know how great you are the guys that are in the next desk over. And so I think that's part of the esprit de corps that you guys have. And we tried to have too. I think sometimes, too, our our goals are a little different. If you look at the PDT team at Panini, we're looking at seeing how big we can grow the market. And we know that individual products are great, and that's what we're going to do eventually. Even though we track and and maintain and tweak and replan and rework and rebuild programs every year, the goal is to build the market. It's not to build 25 or 30 excellent basketball programs. It's to grow the market, and the basketball programs will be part of it. At Beckett, we looked at it like, we're going to grow the market by putting information in front of people they never thought they could get. And uh, grow, growing the market, I hope, is the goal of everybody that's working in the hobby because that's the lifeblood. And that's what's going to make it not, uh, viable in 50 years for people to still be doing this. And okay. you know, yep. that, to me, that's the important part. So are we saying that working together in the industry makes even stronger bonds like PEDs or steroids that, that you guys have enhancements that when you're working so closely together, that's different than two collectors that see each other occasionally at a show. I would say it's yes. It's really intense. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work. And I don't think people outside buildings may not know how hard it was to put together the price guide and everything that went into it, even down to finding enough space each month where you had to make the tough cuts and things like that to put the new products in or everything it takes to build a product here that people just don't understand that once you are behind the scenes and working like that. And even at Beckett's sitting around until 2 a.m. or whatever, proofing the night before, just to make sure that all the pages were right and everything went out on time that you did once a month. Nobody ever knew that or saw that unless you worked inside the building or were in the print industry, let's say, that did a weekly publication that had to get out on time. I think everybody thinks it's not even a job. Uh, what you guys do, what you guys did, it's four-hour work week. Yeah, it yeah. just happens. <laughs> yeah, there is. But that gets beaten out of them quickly once they start here. If they start here, but I think yep. the, the, if they don't, they have no idea. They have no idea. That's correct. No idea. But I'll tell you that some of my best friends are in the industry. I've got great friends that aren't in the industry, but some of my dearest friends are in the industry. And some of them are my teammates. You know, so some competitors. Think, and some of them are competitors. Too. Just because you already know what goes into it. So you have that respect yeah. already built in, even if they work for Leaf or Upper Deck or Tops or whoever it may be. I think a magic formula is loving the people as much as you love the job. Maybe a definition of independent wealth is that that you're able to turn down a job that might be what you want to do, but you don't want to work with those people. <laughs> Firing a client or something like that, because even if you're doing stuff you love, if you're doing it with people or under people that you don't really respect, that's a downer showing up every day. Politics and religion can really divide people, but in the hobby with a shared goal, there's so much to talk about that's positive that you don't get into the political environment, especially, I hope. That's true. A lot of it is the fact that we're pulling on the same end of the rope all day long, and you just become closer doing that, depending on everybody to pull. And it's not one person doing it, it's everybody doing it. And so that just makes you closer in a lot of ways. And it's also incumbent on the the older guys to show the younger guys the pitfalls and the ropes and show them what you've learned and the mistakes you've made so that they don't do it again. And, And for the young guys to soak it in and learn it. At both Beckett and Penny, we've had people that have done both ends extremely well.
I think this was a solitary hobby, a neighborhood hobby. And it was like coin collecting or stamp collecting where you just did your stuff. And uh, over the years, it's gotten to be way more of a group experience, which I think is wonderful that you want to share your stories and what you got and all that stuff. I don't think it's solely this hobby, but this hobby is a great example of something where you can form lifelong friendships. Yeah, you really do owe yourself credit for that. Because think about all the people that we've been so fortunate to be around for decades. It's not just, we've remained friends with people we started working with at Beckett for 20 plus years. I don't know how rare that is in comparison to other industries, but I would think it's probably pretty rare. Staying in the industry, again, people were not leaving the industry angry (laughs) and mad at the people or the products that much. I always felt bittersweet when you guys left because you were great guys, but you're going to something that you think is a better opportunity or a better fit for you and your family. What am I going to do? Stand in the way? It just didn't make a lot of sense. So I I love seeing you guys blossom and the fact that you did it together. Again, feeling there, but uh, you guys landed well. It's the greatest hobby and to be able to enjoy it with guys that you didn't know that well the first year, you got to know pretty well the second year, and you keep adding on the years, it's piling on better and better memories. I said, if they come in tomorrow and tell me that I'm fired, I would say, you know what, that stinks, but man, thank you for 26 of the greatest years I could ever imagine. Now I'm going to go get a real job for the last 10 years. <laughs> We're never going to get real jobs, Tracy. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Hopefully not. Would you rather have 20 years of, of a fabulous experience or 40 years of a mediocre experience? Oh, I'll take 20. I'll take the day. 20. Every day. Yeah, you guys are actually all cruising through the 20s. Pretty soon you guys are going to be old, but my goal is to be <laughs> old. So. <laughs> You'll never be old, Dr. All no. relative. All relative. The man in the house of cards. The man in the is doing all right.